Welcome to Big Rich Brock and Friends. Big Rich brings his clean comedy and storytelling to the weekly podcast that is laugh out loud and funny with a side of inspiration. Here is your host, Big Rich Brock. Hello there, this is Rich Brock, a.k.a. Big Rich Brock Comedy. Thanks for tuning in to Big Rich and Friends podcast. I appreciate you guys. We are episode nine into this new adventure that I'm in. You know, I spent years, if this is your first time listening, I spent most of my adult life being a pastor. Come on, somebody. That's where I get that from. Uh, now I'm a comedian. I didn't just decide to leave the pulpit and become a comedian. I'm going to talk about that a little bit today because I get asked all the time. And people ask me a lot of questions, and a few of you email me and tell me that I'm going to split hell wide open or I've disappointed God. And uh, Right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee today, while I'm doing this, it's like 98 degrees, and it feels like I'm splitting hell wide open, but hell's much hotter than this. It's just hard to fathom. I pulled in here, and I stopped and filled up my car with gas so I wouldn't have to stop on my way home. And it's 98 degrees out. And at the convenience store, they're selling firewood. And I'm like, you got to be kidding, man. Who? I went in. I said, who the hell has bought some firewood? And they're like, we ain't sold any in a while. I thought, I don't want to hang around people that are buying firewood when it's 98 degrees out. But it is not hot as hell. Hell is much hotter. But it does feel pretty warm out there. And I get asked, you know, are you ever going to go back into ministry? And to be honest with you, I feel like what I do is my own form of ministry. Uh, just like you, I lay my head down at night and I think, okay, am I doing, am I pleasing to God? Am I, am I good with what I'm doing? And am I enjoying life? And are my kids proud of me? You know, am I making them? I don't want to, I don't want to do or say anything that they can't handle. I don't talk about my kids much in my shows. If you ever hear me, other than bragging on them, if you ever hear me do something, a bit or a story about them, I always talk to them first and get their thoughts on it, make sure they're cool with it. And I've been married twice, so I have two ex-wives. And for you folks that have been married more than once, the best part about having two exes is the ex part. Uh, it's, it's, I'm very happy, uh, to not be married at this point, not really not be married, but not to be married to my ex. And I tease the boys and say, well, I'm not talking about your mother. I'm talking about the other ex. And then if I run into her children, I say, oh, that was about my first wife. And I'm just teasing and playing with you. You know, I'm here to, uh, entertain and to have fun, but at the same time, we're going to talk some about life. And I did something that I thought about this episode and I want to share some things. Uh, and I've titled this when big rich goes back to church and you might say, Oh my goodness, rich, you haven't been going to church. I like a lot of people after COVID or during COVID, you weren't able to go. That was a good reason for me not to go. I watched a friend of mine who pastors a church in Cincinnati, Ohio fellow by the name of Pastor James P. Crabb, Jim Crabb. Uh, I know a lot of preachers. And being a former pastor for 25-plus years, 
I went through a divorce I didn't see coming back in 2016. I changed careers. My sweet mother that I talk about a lot in my shows passed from a um, incurable disease in 2017. Uh, within a month of my divorce, my mother, two months, my mother passed. And then shortly after that, my father passed from a broken heart. So my world was like a country song for a little while. And I don't mean Florida Georgia line or that stuff. I'm talking about real country music. I'm talking about George Jones, brother, Merle Haggard, Travis Tritt. I'm talking about some country songs, little Randy Travis. And that's the way my life was going. And in the midst of that, I found comedy. I've always been interested in comedy. I wrote a lot of stories and jokes for my sermons. And then during COVID, I sat down and I started writing material and trying to write stories. And 200, probably 200 bits, I've got piled away in notebooks on my computer of things that I think are funny, that have happened to me, family members, or observations. And I've been working off those and putting things together into show form. And in the midst of that, I went to church literally 30 years. As a kid, we went, the Brocks went to church when I was little. And then the Bible says, you know, offenses will come, but woe be who they come through. And my mom and daddy were in their late 20s, and they were working hard, and they were raising their son, and they were active in the church doing everything but selling popcorn at halftime. And I remember my father was uh, chairman of the deacons and people didn't like the pastor or something he was saying or preaching. And my dad come home from work and my father was a letter carrier in his hometown. He walked 12.3 miles a day for 15 years, five days a week. You say, how do you remember that big rich? Cause I heard it every day in my life. My father would always remind me when something needed to be done and I would complain about having to help that he had walked 12.3 miles that day. And he said, my job, when I walk and I meet people and I deliver their mail, so many of them wanted to gripe, complain, and question and argue about church things. So we went from going three times a week to Sunday, Sunday night, then Sunday, then every other Sunday, then once a month, once a quarter, Easter, and then we just didn't go. Didn't go for 15 plus years. Now we moved from Hog Jow Road in Chickamauga. Come on, somebody. That's why we were P.O. Box 5. My mama was embarrassed to write down our address on our Christmas cards. So we had a P.O. Box. I literally lived on Hog Jow Road, Chickamauga, Georgia. That's why when I got older, people asked me where I was from when I was trying to impress the ladies. I would say near Chattanooga, Tennessee. That was a whole lot easier. And if you said Chickamauga and they knew where it was, they would say where you'd say hog Jow road. And then it was over. There wasn't much getting, wasn't much to recover with the ladies when they thought you were driving the turnip truck that you fell off of earlier. So here we are. And we moved back to sit to this, the big city of Chickamauga lived in the subdivision. They only had two in the whole town back then. And we lived in the cool one where all the kids were, the teenagers and all that going on. And it was funny because my neighbor 
taught Sunday school at the Methodist church. And you say, oh, Big Rich, were you a Methodist? I was for a couple of uh, a summer and a few months because she invited me to go and she was hot. And that's all it took. You know, she was attractive lady, single lady. Uh, I'm a teenage boy. You know, I'm 16 years old. But I thought, you better believe I'll go. And then, lo and behold, I got there, and there's a bunch of pretty teenagers that I went to school with, and I knew, and I would hang out. But it didn't really stick for me. Uh, I didn't make a real commitment to anything. And then I just began to live the party scene. And I realized that my comedy and popularity and partying got me more attention with the females than good grades. That's why I was number 72 out of 106 at Gordon Lee High School. And my father said, that's, I can't believe that. that. That's terrible. And I said, it ain't that bad. It's about half. And he said, that's why you're number 72. Because 72 is not even close to half of 106. And I thought, well, you know, I am what I am. And lo and behold, I was drinking. I went off to college. My dream was to go to UGA. University of Georgia, you're not going to get in when you're number 72 out of 106 at Gordon Lee High School. So I went to Remedial UGA, or what you might call West Georgia College in Carrollton, Georgia. Now, West Georgia in the 1900s, back in 1985, 86, was a top 10 school, according to Playboy magazine, for partying. See, old Big Rich did his research. And I saw that. I said, I'm in. That's where I want to go. I get down there and I'm walking. To, I got in my little dorm room. My roommate was my first cousin. He was from Atlanta. I was from Chickamauga. We saw each other at Thanksgiving, Christmas, and weddings and funerals. And then we got put together. Our mamas were sisters. They thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. We didn't have a whole lot in common, but our family, but we got along. But we just had different interests at that time. Uh, we've gotten closer over the years. But I get there, and I'm walking over after the I unloaded. Mom and Daddy said bye. They came down to help me. Dad pulls me aside, gives me a little another speech, and Mama's crying, and I'm a little teared up because I'm an only child, and I'm going to miss them and all that. And I'm walking over to orientation. This would have been the fall of 1986 and i say that because this car was very popular back in those days they don't even make them anymore i don't think it was a convertible sunbird and there were two women in it two girls one blonde one brunette and they pulled up beside me and they said hey we remember you from you came here for the we visited the campus and went through that visitation the same time. I said, oh, yeah, hey, what y'all doing? They said, man, we're blowing off this orientation. We're going to the beach. Daytona Beach was about eight hours away. They said, you want to go? I didn't even have to pray about it. I said, I'm in. I ran back to my dorm room, got a checkbook. For some of you young people, you'll have to Google it. But if you didn't have cash, you had to use checks back then. Ran by a liquor store that would cash a check up to $300 for 10%. Cashed a $330 check. Grabbed a beach towel and a bottle of baby oil for my suntan oil. And I was down there for 10 days. We stayed. 
And we enjoyed life, had a time, partied. I thought I was going to get successful and famous on MTV down there. Didn't work out for me. And I came back, went to class on day 12. And I wasn't on the roll anymore in two of my three classes. They'd already written me off and gave me a W. I thought, man, I got to take something. And the guy says, well, you can take this class. Well, I failed it. So my GPA after my first quarter of college was 0.0. I got better in the second quarter. I took a speech class and I made an A. The other ones, I took an incomplete and I failed. Biology, English comp. I just, I didn't care. Uh, Speech, I liked. I didn't care. I was partying too much. So my GPA went up to a 1.0. Well, West Georgia kicked me out, sent a letter home. My dad was a mailman. He got it first, saw I was no longer welcome there. And then I went to Remedial West Georgia, or you might know it as Dalton Junior College in Dalton, Georgia. I changed my major to chasing local women and playing par three golf over at High Point Augusta over there in Chickamauga. And that's what I did. And during that time, I was drinking heavy, I was partying a lot, and I came home one night, and it was late. I had a curfew. I never made it on time. You didn't have cell phones. You couldn't track your children. They'd have to stop at a pay phone if they was going to call home, and I'd stroll in whenever. And my father came into my room that Sunday morning, and he says, hey, wake up. We're going to church. I said, y'all have a good time. He goes, no, we're all going. Me, your mama, and you. I said, I don't want to go. He said, boy, you're why we're going. You can't be living like this anymore. And we got to get some help. I said, I don't want to go. And my dad said this. He said, you can either go over here to the First Baptist with us, because that was the closest church to the house. And, uh, or you can go to Greenleaf Hospital. And for you guys listening, Greenleaf was a drug and alcohol rehab center about 15 minutes from the house. And when you got good government insurance like mom and daddy had, Greenleaf would keep you there 30 days and 30 nights. The First Baptist kept you there 35 minutes. So I picked the church and there we went. And man, we walked into that church and my father and mother were never late for anything. But that day they were late because I was dragging. I was dragging. I didn't want to be there. I was hung over. I didn't want to go to church, but they said I was going. We walk in and when we walked in, the choir was singing back. You know, they had a choir. There was some teenagers in it. And those old boy I, I knew lived in the neighborhood He was singing a solo, and when we walked in, his voice went up an octave. Come on, somebody. He couldn't believe it. He said, man, after church, I had five people come up to me. Instead of saying, it's good to see you, they said, my God, I can't believe the roof didn't fall in. They thought, I thought for sure, man, hell was going to split wide open today. You're here. And I wasn't a bad person. I laughed. One of my my seventh-grade teacher comes to my shows, her her and her sweet husband, they're great people. They come to several of my shows. If I'm in their area, they're there. And I do some bits about growing up, and I talk about being a kid. And somebody asked her, 
hey, what kind of student was Rich, really? What was Big Rich like as little Richie? And she just took a minute, and she said, well, he was likable. Now, that sounds good, but if you think about it, she didn't say he was a great student. He was uh, witty. He was driven. She said he was likable. And that was her polite way of saying, I knew how to influence people, and I knew how to get people to do things that I wanted them to do and to have fun. And I spent more time having fun. I found out after I graduated high school that the school I attended developed the uh, in-school suspension, the ISS program, the year after I graduated. And the fellow that led it was the football coach that got hired. And he told me later on, he goes, man, when they put that program together, I bet your name got mentioned more than anybody. And I don't know if I've got ADHD or ADD. I've got ESPN. I got Dry Bar Plus. But all I know is I couldn't, I always had to be doing something. I always had to be talking. And I was the same way in church that day. And I got tickled. We're sitting there as first-time visitors in this church. And they give you a card. This is old school. And you had to fill it out. And then it had a little thing, a little uh, perforated edge there, however you say it. And it said in bright letters, visitor. And it was a sticker that you put on your shirt. So everybody knew you as a visitor. I said, and my daddy put it on his shirt, his suit coat. And I thought, what an idiot. That looks stupid in my mind. And my daddy looked at me, and he whispered. He goes, put it on. I said, I ain't doing it. It looks dumb. He said, put it on. See, my dad was desperate to see me have a change. He knew everybody in that church. He delivered their mail. He grew up with them. He taught their kids how to throw a baseball, how to hit a baseball. He was the troop leader. He was the RA director. He did a little bit of everything in that town. But he was desperate. He put that sticker on in bright red colors. It said visitor. And he wanted me at 20 years of age to do it. And I just refused. I said, I ain't doing it. About that time, he took it and he popped it on my shirt. And when he did, I went, oh. And about the time he popped it and I went, oh, the music stopped. And that's all you heard. And my poor mama, man, she's sitting in between us thinking, what have I got myself into? And about that time, the associate pastor came up and he said, hey, we want to welcome all the first time visitors. Would y'all please stand? There goes my daddy popping up. My mama, he says, get up. I stand up. I look around. We the only people there, visitors. And we knew everybody in that church of 400 people. But I share that with you because that's how my parents, they were desperate to see me make a change. And nothing happened automatic, but we kept going. I kept listening. And over a few months, something changed in my life. And I prayed the prayer of faith, and I, I asked God to forgive me, and I, I received Christ and became a Christian. And then did everything magically change for you? Well, I received eternal life. But the life I was living in Chickamauga, Georgia, was no different. I still wanted to drink. I still wanted to cuss. I still wanted to chase women that did. And that was the life I was living at 21 years of age. But in the midst of that, when I made that profession, when I began to study God's word, the next thing you know, (laughs) 
I felt like I was called to be a pastor. And I never said anything to anybody. But over the next year, people would say things to me like this. What you're doing there is like something a pastor would do. That seems pastoral. That Man, you might supposed to be a pastor. And in the Baptist church, you've got three choices back in those days. Pastor, missionary, or song leader. Maybe a youth pastor. You know, things are different now. And I knew I wasn't going to be a song leader. And I didn't have any plans on living on foreign soil. So I guess I'm going to think about it, maybe be a pastor. And that's what I felt, and that's what I pursued. But I'm going to tell you, I did that, and that was my world. And I got involved about two years in. I got involved in a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And it was a half-black, half-white church of about 400 people. And I went to work there as a staff minister. What does that mean? I did whatever I was told. There were 16 employees. I worked for all 16. And my senior pastor told me, he goes, you're going to work for every person here. And then one day you're going to, you're going to oversee them and be their boss. He goes, I believe that's what you're supposed to do. And that's what you're going to do. I said, okay. And sure enough, he was right. It was a little quicker than we anticipated about a year and a half later. There was a small church split for you people that knows what that means. And the next thing you know, the guy that was everybody's flunky now was everybody's boss and the associate pastor or most of them's boss responsible for 17 staff members. I went from a kid that couldn't even sit still in a church to being the guy that ran the ministry side of a mega church of 2,500 people. And I was in my late twenties or mid late twenties. And I was living the dream. That's what I was doing. And I was going. I was a new, newly wed. We had the textbook life. Everybody looked at our life and thought, man, these people are doing it the way it needs to be done. But in the midst of all that, we had our first child, healthy, blessed. Four years later, have our second. Five years after, or four years after that, have our third. All boys, all blessed. I plant a church in Dalton, Georgia. I plant a church in Varnell, Georgia later. I I worked in New Orleans for another mega church, an international ministry. But in the midst of all that, I had struggles. And man, I loved Jesus and I wanted to serve him. And in the midst of that, my marriage isn't what it needs to be. I'm not happy. She's not happy. And what I've learned in life and in comedy is there's seasons And if you can both be on the same page, whether it's in a business, a marriage, running a comedy show, you want to be on the same page. And if whoever's involved can be on the same page and work together, chances are you're going to be successful. So here I was, and I went through all those things. And when I went through my divorce, I was pastoring a church at the time. And it was brought to my attention, hey, I don't want to be married anymore. And I don't want to do this anymore. So like I said earlier, I resigned. My sweet mom was under hospice care. I helped my father take care of her, what little bit he needed. My father was the model example of taking care of his wife when she was sick. He was the model. And I 
thank him every day. And I watched that love and I realized I don't even have a fraction of the love they have for each other. And I've been married 24 and a half years, man, what am I going to do? But didn't work out. I go through the divorce. I try to find a church. I'm broken. I'm tired. I've been in church for gosh, three times a week for 25, 30 years. I'd had enough. Everywhere I went, it was like, how you doing, Pastor Brock? Well, I'm not a pastor any longer. Or, hey, where's your wife and your children? I don't have a wife anymore. You know, you get tired of answering those things. That's no, I mean, people don't know. But you know what I'm saying if you've been there. So I didn't go anymore. Then COVID hit, and then everybody quit going. And I watched my good friend online. I had two or three pastors that still reached out to me out of the hundreds that I knew. Um, two of those three have went to heaven because of COVID. Uh, just a little sidebar there. But what I watched in that and what I want to share with you is when I got remarried, and I've always loved God. I joke around in my show that I love God and I love Jesus and I like about five people. But no, I really, I love people. But when you put God and people together, it makes so big rich a little nervous sometimes. And I would go to church on occasion, and I would go, and I'd visit places, but I never found a place where I felt like that's where I was supposed to be. And I think a lot of people don't realize you don't really pick your church. I think it picks you, you know, in a sense. And Easter Sunday, I went into a church that I wasn't invited by anybody. I knew two people that went there, and I loved the way they treated people, and I loved the way they they weren't preachy, but they didn't compromise what they believed. And I admired their, I just admired them. I said, they're good friends. I think I'll go to church with them today because it's Easter. And I thought, I didn't even go last Easter. I know, you know, I might be splitting hell wide open. I'm just kidding. But I thought I'm going to go. So I walk into this church, and the first person I see is the pastor. I didn't know he was the pastor. I mean, I researched a little bit. I thought, I think that's the pastor. He came up, introduced himself, said he watched my comedy. I thought, oh, my. He says, man, I really like what you're doing. And Sean thinks the world of you. That's the guy that I knew. And he said, we're just glad you're here. And I said, thank you. I appreciate it. I know you're busy. I'm going to go find a seat. I go find a seat. I sit down. And as soon as I sat down, before the service started, I heard in my heart, welcome home. And to be honest with you, I almost swore out loud because I did not want a home. I just wanted to go to church on Easter Sunday and do that and then go to the house, barbecue, have a couple peanut butter eggs and be done with it. But I heard welcome home. And I knew that I was going to start going to church there when I was off the road, when I was in town. And that I was going to get involved there in some capacity. So that's what I've done. So Big Rich has got back to church. And it's funny because I laugh and I love my pastor and I'm getting to know him better. And he's a good man and a good husband and father. And he came to one of my shows when I first started going. And I thought that was cool. And I remember one of the bits, he said, man, I really love that. That was funny. 
about when you were a pastor. And I liked it because it wasn't, it wasn't anything risque, but it was kind of funny and it was an innuendo. And I said, well, if he thinks that's funny, I can handle this, you know, and he's got some things that are comical in his sermons and the way he handles the crowd. And I found a place. And today's podcast, you know, I'm talking a lot about that, but that's what I've titled it. Big Rich is going back to church. Now, does that mean I'm going to be there every time the door's open? No. I'm not bound to it. I mean, it's not a a bondage. I, I like going. And when I can go, you know, last week, I had all my kids here and my soon-to-be daughter-in-law. My oldest son's getting married. I'm so excited and happy for them. They're, they're just great together. And they've asked me to do the wedding. And I'm like, man, I was so honored and so excited and uh, looking forward to being able to do that here in a few months. But they were in town. My other two boys were with me. We stayed up late. They were having to get up and leave. So I didn't go to church. And it's okay. But I missed it. In my mind, I thought, man, I miss being there. Or if I'm on the road doing shows, I can watch online. But I like being there. I like being a part. And if you want to learn how to deal with difficult people, get involved in a church. You want to learn how to be successful dealing with people that are a little crazy, get involved in a church because you're going to find them there. There ain't much difference between the church and every other organization except for grace. You know, I can deal with lost people all day. They don't aggravate me. They don't know no better. But some of these church people are mean as snakes, boy. You know what I'm talking about. But in that, there's grace. And, man, doing I did my first comedy show in a church last month, and I appreciate Isaac Hall and his wife and family for inviting me. And I did a show there and man, I was nervous. I've been nervous when I did my dry bar special that'll be coming out here in the next couple months. And I was nervous when I did my first open mic. Other than that, I don't get nervous. But when I did this church show and I walked out, it was like, I was being washed in those 4,000 sermons I'd preached. And I realized, okay, this is different. And we had fun. I didn't change a whole lot of what I do. Somebody asked me, they says, hey, I thought about going to your church show. What's the difference between it and the show you do at the winery or the brewery? And I said, well, the church show, I probably cuss a little more. And I just see if they pay attention. And they chuckled. I said, no, I won't cuss much. If I say any cuss words at the church show, they're in the Bible. And I only know a three in there. And if you know what they are, then you either cuss a lot or you read a lot of the scriptures. But I said, no, I'm not. I said, I'm not going to do anything inappropriate. We're going to have fun. You can do clean comedy and people be entertained. So that's what we did. And then we had a great time. And I kind of did what I'm doing now. I did comedy. And then I talked some and I told my story. And it's part inspirational, part comedy. And probably more comedy. This has been more kind of inspirational just talking to you today. But here's what I think. I think that there's other people in the same place that I'm at or that I've been. And I just want to encourage you. And I want to encourage you, hey, go on YouTube, watch some of my comedy. Go on Drybar. My special should be coming out here in the next few months. I had a great experience there. They've been nothing but kind and professional. And I've got shows coming up all over the area. 
if you're watching this in the Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama area, I'm coming to you. Some of the other venues, I'd love to come. I need your help. Help me get into those places. If you know somebody that owns a winery or brewery or comedy club, you know, I'm a storyteller. I'm a comic, but I'm more like the old Jerry Clowers. If you know him, James Gregory, uh, Ron White, you know, I tell, I do comedy, but I do stories. So I do a 45 minute, I can do 30, 45 hour, hour and 15 minute show and I'll leave you want more and we'll have a good time. So if that's you and you own a place or you know a place, have them reach out to me. You know, don't be like the church people used to when I pastored. Hey, you need to go over and see my brother-in-law. He needs Jesus. Well, brother-in-law don't want me over there. I want to go somewhere where I'm wanted and where they can see my ability and I can help them make some money and draw people and sell some drinks or sell some dinners or sell both and us be a part. But you can find me on YouTube at Big Rich Brock Comedy. You've already found me here on the podcast, and I thank you. It means a lot to me that you take the time and spend some time, whether you're at your computer or on the road or your phone, listening and letting me uh, talk to you about doing life. And then if you are a Facebook person, would you like my page at Big Rich Brock Comedy? And I'll have my show schedule. Come out to a show be a part of what we're doing. And man, I'm excited to be doing comedy. I am almost approaching my hundredth paid show since I started 16 months ago. I, I began doing these shows. I promote them myself. I do my own production promotion. I get my openers, my special guests, my features. Sometimes it's just me, but I've headlined 90 of these almost hundred shows. And, man, we have a good time selling out these venues, these wineries, breweries, uh, coffee shops, the 50 to 60 people. We're knocking it out of the park every show. And now it's time to expand and just go to bigger venues. So I appreciate the prayers. I appreciate the support. You can get you a Big Rich Comedy T-shirt. Visit my website at Big Rich Brock Comedy, and uh, we'll hook you up with one. I got my OG, my original, come on somebody. And then I got a new one that's a baseball style, three-quarter sleeve, says Big Rich Brock Comedy, and got my smiling face on it. And I'm going to tell you something, fellas. You wear those shirts out in public, women will be all over you. They'll want to know how you know Big Rich. And ladies, they're the softest T-shirts you'll ever buy. I've had women, I laugh, they tell me, hey, I sleep in those. T- I sleep in that T-shirt. It's so comfortable. And I get a great night's rest. And I said, really? She goes, yeah, my husband will leave me alone and let me sleep because it's got your picture on the front and it's got your picture on the back. Come on, somebody. And I said, hey, I'll do what I can do to help. But you guys have a great week. I appreciate you very much. God bless. And we'll see you next time at Big Rich Brock and Friends. You've been listening to another episode of Big Rich Brock and Friends. For more information and past shows, go to our website, bigrichbrockcomedy.com. Thank you for listening.